everyone. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Chuck Tate here. That's Andy King. Hey, Chuck, how are you? I am doing good. I am ready to rock episode three. This has been fun. It has. The last, uh, the first two that we've done, we've had some great responses from people. Absolutely. And uh, right up front, if you're listening now and saying, oh, it's the podcast, get on your phone, text three people, let them know about this new podcast, Revival Town Podcast, that... You can get on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere really that you listen to podcasts, we're on there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, yeah. It, subscribe. Subscribe. Follow us on, on social media. Write a review. Write a review. Send money. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we need yeah. a give button. Hey, for $1,000, <laughs> we're going to send you one of Moses' sandals. <laughs> <laughs> I have some ointment, and if you have a cut on your arm and you put this salve in it, it's not going to heal it, but it is going to hurt. It might sting a little. <laughs> you know, Chuck, it was, it's weird. You talk about, you know, what you're doing there is talking about TV evangelists and yeah. people like that. Yeah. It wasn't until I came to America that I even ever, ever saw any of that. Like, because in the UK, growing up, there was no mm. uh, church type of stuff, no Christian music industry, there was no um, TV, Christian TV, mm. there was no music, there was no radio, like, there was radio, yeah. just not Christian. Yeah, no Jimmy Swagger. No Jimmy Swagger. Now, we heard about Jimmy Swagger when that all broke in yeah. the UK on regular news. Sure. But... That was a whole new world. And in fact, today in the podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Yes. And uh, and it's going to be a great podcast. Uh, we have a friend of mine, Clem Ferres, uh, with us. Uh, or Ferris. Fer I didn't know Fer that. I've known Fer it for years. Fer it's Fer Ferris. But, um, Ferris will. Yeah. And so he's going to be on. Uh, you enjoyed it. I really did. You know, um, there is a lot of, one of the things that we mentioned, there's a lot of skepticism concerning prophetic gifts. But I really like, <clears throat> excuse me, what I really like about Clem is he's balanced and uh, he knows the word. He's a great yeah. communicator. He's the real deal. Oh, so yeah. I, I believe this is going to be powerful. Yeah. So we want you to sit back and relax and listen to this interview with Clem Ferris. Well, Chuck. It has been great uh, being with you today. We've been chatting a little bit, but we're back. We're back now with the main thing of interviewing our guest today. And this is a gentleman that has spoken to my life literally when I was a kid. This, this gentleman would come to the UK. He's from America and um, would uh, come to our church and just be a, a real gift to our church back there. Um, Gentleman's name is Clem Ferez, and uh, how are you doing, Clem? Doing great, Andy. Good to be with you today. Good, good. We, I am so glad you are with us. Um, you uh, you have impacted my life, and we'll we'll get into into all of that. But uh, Clem, you uh, travel the world. You uh, really speak life into the local church, not just here in the states, but throughout the world. And so um, today. Chuck, when we started talking about who we were going to bring on to the podcast, Clem was one of the first people that I mentioned because it's because Clem and what he does um, 
is so crucial to the local church globally. Yeah, I love it. It's so great to meet you, Clem, and I've heard a lot about you, so it's good to finally actually talk to you and even meeting with um, Andy's father, um, John King. I've, I've heard your name over and over again. I just downloaded your new book, Stewarding Prophecy, Waging Warfare with God's Word, so I'm looking forward to, to reading oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's great. an honor to have you on. Well, it's so good to be with you guys. I love history. I love not 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 just history of things. I like relational history. And like you said, Andy, I think you were maybe 14 when I first yeah. ministered to you as a young man. Who knew what yeah. God was going to do? I look back all those years. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, for the for the listeners, Clem uh, really uh, has a, a gift in an anointing in the prophetic, and um, and so we'll be talking a. L- maybe a way that we haven't talked in any of the podcasts yet of just um, the prophetic gift and the church, the apostolic gift that obviously Clem has with the church globally. Um, But Clem, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're at, uh, where you live uh, and, and a bit of history. If people have never met you before, who is Clem Ferez? Yeah. Well, my last name is actually Ferris, like the Ferris wheel. So I got, I got called that quite a bit growing up, you know, I always the joke about Clint. the Ferris wheel. Yeah. All right. No, it's uh, yeah. So and here's the, here's the interesting thing. Um, uh, I'm only a second generation uh, American. All my family's from Northern Ireland. So we're kind of related, Andy. We're yeah. both kind of British at our core, right? We're brothers, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? We are. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm 50% but amazingly, Swede. Is that anything? <laughs> hey, you're in the, you're an honorary member, Chuck. All right. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's an amazing seed to me of um, growing up. My, my grandparents immigrated from Northern Ireland. Um, so I, I always had a love and an affinity for the UK, the, the British Isles, so to speak. So from a child. And then I grew up in the Anglican church uh, in America called the Episcopal Church. You know, I didn't know Jesus, but I just knew church. And I was never anti-church. Uh, was always in church. Sang in the choir, did all the stuff. Went to uni, met my wife at Michigan State University, and I was graduated with a degree in hotel administration. And Really? Um, I didn't know I did. that. Yeah, so I, I worked in the hotel industry for five years before I went in ministry. Wow. And so uh, I worked for a company that was, uh, it was almost like church planting. We were building and uh, developing hotels out in the west of the United States. So I was moving around from state to state, Montana, Oregon, California, Wyoming, but um the most amazing thing was right after my wife and I got married, um, we both got uh, what, what the Bible calls, we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, literally weeks after our marriage. And she was raised in the Catholic faith. Uh, she gave her life to Christ at uh, Michigan State University through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. She was a collegiate athlete. And then, uh, boy, we both just got the full <laughs> impact of the Holy Spirit in a little, small, charismatic church plant out in the state of Wyoming. And we were supposed to live there maybe six weeks and then move to a big city in Denver and go on. We had a wonderful plan for our lives. Yeah. So the Holy spirit got a hold of us, <laughs> but uh, that started a journey. Uh, and uh, long story short, I ended up quitting my job. We opened the hotel. I quit my job, took what I call a lucrative uh, 85% pay cut. And I went in the ministry. You can't beat it. You, know? you just can't resist. <laughs> that economy is how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So then we lived in uh, we lived in Wyoming for a year and a half in helping out with a, a church plant. It was about four or five years old. And then the pastor moved to Florida, and we moved with him. He said, "You're not leaving us out here. We're going with you." So we moved to Fort Myers, Florida. We were on staff at a church there. 
Uh, then we helped plant a church in Orlando. And then it was in Orlando that I went out to Portland, Oregon to a conference, Northwest Ministers Conference, put on by Bible Temple at the time. And I met Dave Blomgren. Yeah. And I met him out at the conference, and he invited me to come over to Tampa when I got back to Orlando. It was about an hour away. So why don't you come over and we'll chat? So I did. And it was there that uh, I met with Dave, shared, you know, I felt like I was just at a crossroads looking for a mentor, really was crying out to God for a really good mentor in the prophetic, a teaching mentor. And of course, Dave was a master musician, worship leader. And those, those were my three skill sets at the time. And long story short, he invited me to come and join uh, the staff over there in at Tampa Bay Christian Center in uh, Tampa, Florida. And uh, I remember, Andy, uh, after meeting with Dave and driving back to Orlando to talk to my wife, this is before cell phones. I, I couldn't call her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how long ago it was. This is in the late 80s. I uh, was praying and I just talk about how God speaks to your heart, something important. All God said was, if you'll take that job, I'll open doors for you. That's mm. what all God said. I was like, that's good enough for me. My wife bore witness. So we moved to Tampa. And uh, it was that next, uh, about nine months later, as I took my first trip to the UK with Dave Blumgren, met up with Keith Hazel, and we did presbytery in uh, Bob Snozel's church in Hereford, England. Yeah. Here's the amazing thing. That was 32 years ago, Andy. I still work with uh, the Snozels. I work with Bob's son, Gary. Yeah. And now here's another amazing thing. Gary's son, Joshua has just planted a church right here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live. So oh, that's crazy. I'm now working with three and actually four generations of snowzels, all from that first trip, that yeah. first trip to the UK. It was monumental. You talk about God opening a door. Yeah. And now I work with Gary's churches all over the world and you just watch how God does things in seed form. So I was with Dave Blomgren about seven years, did start doing a lot of traveling ministry and the prophetic with he and then Keith Hazel's mentors. Uh, we planted a church in Fort Myers, Florida in 1992. We were down there seven years. In 99, uh, I was, again, hitting a wall. Uh, God, what's next? And we all do that. Like you, you know, I think you've just been through yeah. a transition. I, we all go through transitions where God brings you almost into a crisis of faith, and you have to bust through. And uh, when I was seeking the Lord, I felt like I was supposed to go full-time into traveling because I was just traveling a lot. And we felt confirmation to do that. But then I was like, oh, God, how do I do this? And, and what's the what's the next step? He said, you've run with the prophets. Now you need to run with the apostles. Mm. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. But it sounded right. <laughs> you know, that's the way it came to me. Because I had run with the prophets. I'd run with all the great mentors of the, of the 80s and 90s and the prophetic, the guys who, you know, Bible Temple and other streams, Keith, Lifelinks, the Canadian guys. And so as I cried out to God, I said, well, where, where are they? Uh, how do I find them and who are they? And literally within a few months, I was invited here to uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina to do a prophetic presbytery and met an apostle named Jerry Daly who had planted this church and several other churches, our whole network, and uh, shared my story with him. He said, well, brother, and this is the mark of an apostle. He saw the architecture of my calling and he, in about 30 seconds, he laid it out. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Wow. And all he said to Andy was this. He said, I think you're supposed to move here. Join my apostolic team. I just lost a prophet. He said he's going to send me another one. <laughs> and then uh, we'll help launch your traveling ministry. Nobody had ever said that. Right. Because I had no idea even how to launch a traveling ministry. He says, we'll help you get going. And uh, we're starting a Bible college. You can help us start. I, I just recently had gotten my doctorate in theology. He says, well, with your degree and stuff, you can help us launch our Bible college. And um, we'll go from there. And I was like, wow. Wow. And the other beautiful thing about that, uh, you know, we do everything relationally. I'm, in fact, I remember 
your father started a whole movement in the UK called Related Leaders. Yeah. And that was such a joy to meet so many. I still have so many friends from that. Yeah. Um, we do everything on the road of relationship. And I said to Jerry, I said, you know, I, I think this is the Lord. I said, but I don't want to, I'm part of LifeLinks, Keith Hazel's network. I, I flow in other networks. I don't want to lose those relationships. He said this one phrase, set me free. He said, brother, we don't own you. Mm. That was so freeing to me to hear those words. We don't own you. Because there are some groups and some networks and even denominations that, man, once you sign up, you feel like um, they own me and I can't do anything outside of my, these parameters. And that, that was so freeing. It was such a really an apostolic word to me. Yeah. We don't own you. We're here to release you. And I, I feel the apostolic is for the church to release people into their ultimate calling. So that's how we got to North Carolina. That was in 2000, 20 years ago. And I've uh, been doing it ever since and been able to relate to other networks and just grow. And it's been so fulfilling. Man, it's so good. Yeah, that's good. The, you know, Chuck, I, I want to just uh, step back a bit into how Clem really spoke into my life. And we, we may need to um, paint some pictures and things like that. Clem, you mentioned a few times just in that little intro. First, you mentioned Dave Blomgren, who... Uh, has, has gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, was out at Portland uh, at Bible Temple as well. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll mention this name because I think a lot of people will understand. Portland was really where Wendell Smith also was birthed out of, uh, which mm-hmm. Wendell is Judah or was Judah Smith's dad. Okay. And so... Um, we see Judah and what he's doing with his church and everything, but his his roots, his uh, DNA, all came out of this prophetic movement uh, from Bible Temple uh, with Frank Damasio, who's uh, the senior pastor there now. I think it's called City Church now. Is that City Bible Church? Yeah. City Bible Church. Okay. And, and, and I was at the Related Leaders when. Frank Damasio was yeah. here, here in Peoria. We had Frank in Peoria at one time as well. And um, and so just so so people get a bit of a, a concept that this isn't just a, a, a little church, you know, out on the West Coast. This, this has birthed some amazing leaders uh, that you were a part of, uh, you know, that whole movement. You've mentioned presbytery just a few times. And for those listening, that may be a new word. Um, and can you explain that? Because then I'll be able to just talk about how presbytery uh, impacted my life. Sure. And, you know, it's funny, Andy, you say it's a new word. Actually, it's an old world, right. old, old uh, King James word. It's only used in the King James Bible, but it's new to many people because we really don't, we don't use that language anymore, uh, which is okay. But the root of that is it's uh, presbyteros. It's the, it's the Greek word uh, for the plurality of elders. It's, it's, it's the word for elder. So when we say presbytery, our, we coined the phrase off of the King James, First uh, Timothy 4.14, when Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect the gift of God that is in you that was given to you by the laying out of hands of the presbytery and prophecy. So it ties in prophecy, the laying out of hands, and an impartation uh, to the saints. And it was done in a format where they took prophetic elders, elders that had the gift of prophecy, uh, some would be what we call a fivefold elder, and maybe a fivefold apostle, and maybe somebody with a very mature gift of prophecy. But it was a time of laying out of hands, imparting gifts, and stirring up the gifts of God. And so churches began to gather around that concept uh, back as, as late as the, the, the 19, late 1940s in what was called the Latter Rain Movement. 
And Bible Temple actually came out of the Latter Rain movement. It was Dick Iverson's parents that planted that. And then there was the, the great outpouring, the Latter Rain movement, and um, they were highly impacted by that. And that <clears throat> included the restoration of apostles and prophets, amongst other fivefold ministry. In fact, one of their one of their messages out of Bible Temple was restoration. Right. They were known as the restoration camp. Yeah, I remember getting books from them the first time. And the, another great prophet who was uh, my very initial uh, introduction to the prophetic as a father was uh, Dr. Bill Hammond, who's still alive. He's in his 80s, and he knows all those guys, too. They, yeah. In fact, he's from Washington State. And I remember Dr. Bill Hammond, we were pouring out, just getting some in, inspiration and also some wisdom from him back in the, in the early 80s. And we were hungry for learning about fivefold ministry and prophets. And he says, you guys need to get the books from the restoration camp out in Portland. And we did. My, 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 my colleague and I, my friend and I, we, we were on staff together. We ordered every book in the catalog, Andy. If you remember those, Kevin <laughs> yeah. Connor, Dick Opperson, yeah, Dave Blomgren, Bill Shiler, all those guys had written books, Frank DiMazio, and we just consumed them. And so that's when we learned about prophetic presbytery. And then, of course, um, Dave Blomgren wrote a powerful book on it back in the 70s. It was like a pioneer work on the laying out of hands and prophetic gatherings. That's probably a word we use now to describe it, a prophetic gathering where the church gathers around the office of the prophet to hear from God so that the church hears from God, the individual hears from God. It's an impartation. It's revelation. It sparks something. It fuels you know, the vision of the church, and it just builds the saints. It's all about building up the church, building the saints. So I began to travel with Dave Longren as my mentor and then meet up with guys like Keith Hazel, another mentor who's gone on to be with the Lord. And then you touched up some of these other guys, got to prophesy with great teams where we go into church two or three days. They would pray. They would fast. They would get ready. They would all get ready to hear from God. And then we'd come in and have these really dynamic meetings around the voice of God coming. And, man, we had some electric times and just some powerful times and Lives changed and destinies formed, and it was just a. It still goes on today in some measure, maybe yeah. different formats. Like I said, we call them a prophetic gathering, but it's still an important time, and particularly for a young church when you're laying foundation. Ephesians two twenty, you know, the church is built on the foundation of apostolic and prophetic ministry and grace. And so, I find some of my greatest joy is not in the really big meetings, the big churches. I love going into church plants, young churches, maybe a struggling church, and bring prophetic vision and hope to help them build. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And that's what, what happened yeah. Chuck, way back uh, at our church in England. I, I was a young, young guy. Um, and, uh, you, I came forward and there was yourself, Dave Blomgren and, um, also Phil Kaner, uh, was, was right. also there. And this is the type of th thing that, that happened Chuck. And, and sometimes people can get weirded out with the prophetic, but for, for those who go through it, it can also clarify, not just for for that moment, but for into the future. Let me try and explain this. Clem got up and just started talking about the church that I was in, uh, which was an old, it was a originally a Church of England church, an old, if you imagine the the old churches with the stained glass and that's that was what our church was although it wasn't old inside it was very much alive uh but clem uh said do you like this church and i said yeah yeah and and we were looking at the stained glass and everything and there's people there this isn't like just me and him on our own i mean worship has gone on and then they start prophesying and he said god's going to um give you something that doesn't look like this 
uh, that you'll minister to people that doesn't look like the normal church. Mm. And uh, which today I truly feel with what we're doing at the Dream Center, it is the church, but it doesn't look like the church, right? Uh, So even 15, well, no, 30 years on from that, um, that's still coming to pass now. But I always remember him saying, um, God's going to give you inroads into musicians' lives that um, musically turn you on. That was your your wording. And here's a kid in England... No Christian industry, music industry, no Christian TV. I loved Christian music, but all the music that I was getting, Clement never met me in in his life. I was getting all this music sent to me from Nashville, and I was in like a a book, a CD club. (laughs) And I I was getting all this, you know, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, all these different people, right? And Clem said, God's going to put you up close and personal to these guys, right? Now, I'm 14, 15, 16, around that age. And I'm thinking, there is no way because I'm in England, (laughs) right? The industry and everything is in America. And so anyway, I put that on the shelf, moved to America. I didn't even think about this part of it. And then we started bringing in different worship teams uh, at the church I was at at the time to the point where, because I was in charge of that, I was getting very personal with these guys. And I'll never forget this, Clem. It really came to a head just a few years ago when we moved down to Nashville for just a a portion of our uh, time. And I was in Amy Grant's car which sounds really Hollywood, right? But it's not. (laughs) But we were, I'd become friends with her. Um, She had a camp for kids, inner city kids. When I got to Nashville, we connected again. I was going to the, the camp with her. And she just started opening up. And you know, it's a, obviously a, a conversation I don't want to talk about, but it was all, it was about her spiritual journey and her life. And my mind went back to that night mm. when Clem wow. said that, yes, uh, that you're going to get close and personal. And knowing 25 years later, oh. and, and I've talked to many, I mean, you know, with what we did at, at Riverside with the concerts and things that I've done with the Dream Center, I've got very close with a lot of artists and a lot of people in Nashville. But it was at that one moment where I went back to Clem's words. That's the type of stuff that in in the prophetic, um, God can plant something in you and then years later can, whoa, that, I've been here before, but how have I been here before? And, and Clem, I think that that, that definitely uh, was, was a moment for me that was like, that is incredible. Chuck, have you ever had any experience... I have, you know, there's, we live in a day where there's so much cynicism and so much skepticism, but I have been around prophetic ministry uh, most of my life. My father is a retired uh, minister, um, Clem, and, you know, so I've heard him talk about the Bill Hammonds and the others, and um, he is... Uh, a kind of an, an old school power preacher doesn't need a microphone, not fire and brimstone. He's all about edifying the saints and encouragement, but the prophetic and the apostolic and the books he's reading, studying, and it's always spoken into my life. And I've been around that. And I, so I've seen 
um, God speak through um, those with a prophetic anointing, um, those who consider prophets and and uh, myself, I have um, been given words that have, I mean, people have read my mail where, so, you know, I, I will never question whether or not God still uses modern day prophets and right. ministers of the gospel to, to speak into, into lives. I mean, a couple of examples for me um, years ago when I was a, a youth pastor, I was at a, um, a special service, Francis Frangipane was, was there and um, this was, I mean, way back in the, in the nineties, I, I had a, a mullet and <laughs> was, was wearing, I mean, I d- honestly didn't fit cause I was not dressed. I was kind of a, just a rock and roll youth pastor. And, and um, so now I, you're just a rock and roll. And pastor. Just a, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I wasn't dressed like everybody. This was, you know, before there was contemporary church and, um, he called, called me out and just gave this, this word over me about ministering what I was going to do. And, um, and it's all come to pass since then. But, um, what was, what was amazing is after the service, somebody came up to me and said, I'm, I just got to apologize to you because when you, when you went up, when you went forward, I just immediately judged you for how you were dressed and, and how, how you looked. And I know that now God doesn't look at people the way that I have. So I just, I need to ask you for, you know, to forgive me and like, you know, Hey, absolutely. It's all, it's all good. But God, God used that moment in my life to shape me in ministry. And then another time when I was a youth pastor in Ohio and I had just um, um, accepted a position with the National Youth Ministry in, in Tulsa. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Eastman Curtis by any chance, Clem, but you were in Florida in the 90s and we did some youth conventions during the 90s. And, I sure um, have, Okay, yeah. so um, we're, we're, I met, I've met him. I actually was at a conference that he spoke at and met him and talked with him, yeah. Okay, wow, so a small, small world. So I was with him for about three and a half years, but prior to moving there, um, and I moved straight from, from Tulsa to plant the church that, that I still lead now, but um, I was really torn because I felt like I was, I, I felt like I was, when I was, when I said yes to, I was giving up a full, you know, job security and as a, a, a full-time youth pastor to, to go and actually be, become an intern for this Eastman for this ministry that would later work myself into a job and you know all the you know words that were spoken to me it came to pass but you know backing up I was torn because my my pastor was taking it personal that I was leaving him yeah. personally but I just knew in my heart God was sending me to Tulsa I knew so I prayed I said God I need I need some confirmation and I had taken I hadn't announced it to the youth group or the church the only one that knew was my pastor and I was at this uh, I took my teenagers to a youth conference um, about an hour, hour and a half away. And um, the speaker, I don't even know his name. He was from California. That's all I know. And um, just a, a, a black brother in the Lord. And he all of a sudden pointed at me and said, man, I got a word for you. And he just in front of everybody said, God's getting ready to move you. <laughs> like, hey, shh. <laughs> but, and he just said, I mean, everything prophesied everything that I ended up doing with Eastman. It was just um, mind-blowing. God used that to expand my faith and and really help shape me. So, um, wow. yeah, I know that God is still using um, prophetic ministry, and I can't wait to read your book. Clem, how, well, how, is, it, how is it, you know, you, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Um, it's a different day now. What, yeah. what do, ex, unpack that a little bit as far as, did you feel back in the 80s, 90s, 
there was a different hunger for things of the prophetic and things like that to where now it's different. Have we got two, um, I hate to say this, but have we got two professional on a Sunday? You know, everything's, uh, we've got to be done by an hour and 10 minutes. We, mm-hmm. we you know, the spirit can't move. We've got, you know, we've got to get people in and out because we've got five services to get through. What, what, what is it? What's the difference? Like, how is it? How has it affected your ministry in what you're doing with it being a new day? Yeah, that's that's a big question, Andy. And I I, I, I run into that quite a bit in this day and hour we live in. And um, first of all, I think there's a couple of shifts that have taken place. One is the prophetic um, has shifted from just a blessing model where we would go in and bless the church with words to really more of a building thrust. Mm. We're out to build something for God. And that's for the apostolic and, and the prophetic work together to build. Before we had a lot of prophetic blessing, but no power to execute. Oh. And so we had numerous run-on prophecies that would go from year to year to year and almost in frustration, like we just can't seem to bring this prophecy to pass. There are great, big, booming prophecies. So that was a big shift when God brought the restoration of the apostle in the 90s and then put us into the 21st century. There's a different kind of, I call it a, a different kind of uh, thrust or a different kind of driver, like we have computer drivers. Yeah. So there's been some new drivers for prophetic operations that have really helped us understand that it's not just about getting personal blessing. One of the problems is prophecy got to the point it became very selfish. Yeah. People wanted my word, I want a word, I, I, I. And they didn't think about how does God want to speak? How does he want to build the church? And how, does, how, how am I supposed to obey him? <laughs> the obedience factor was out the window. Right. So there's been a good, healthy shift into that, I, I would say. And then the other is this distribution system, how we distribute the prophetic. It has changed because we we now have mega churches, we have multi-site, we have multiple services on a weekend. So the old idea of on Sunday morning we're going to hear a, a prophetic word from God. We get the preached word, but to get a prophetic word that's going to hit every ear of the church is very hard to do when you're all spread out. So. Uh, we've had to redistribute the prophetic. Uh, we still can do, you know, prophetic gatherings and have intentional one-on-one prophetic encounters with individuals. Our church, we're the same. We do multiple services, but we do targeted prophetic ministry. Yeah, we don't have the Sunday morning because we have multiple services. So, and we still do very intentional small group, uh, development groups, uh, target groups where we'll bring a couple of prophetic people in and lay hands on people and just prophesy over them. So, it's just a matter of we had to redistribute uh, the prophetic right. in different different modes, different ways. Um, God's still speaking, and if God wants to speak to a church, I I I'm, I'm still persuaded that He's going to start with the leaders. Yeah. If the leaders don't get it, it doesn't matter how much you boom out in the congregation. But if the if the leaders aren't grabbing it as their own, then uh, it'll just fall flat. Yeah, that's good, Clem. And so with your book that you've you've written, you you go into some of this, obviously. Uh, just give a bit of a synopsis of of the book so that if people are listening they want to get it i mean we got ours on amazon so it's very easy to get um yeah but tell us a bit about the book and and some of the things you go into because it's it's really yeah intriguing. sure andy thanks um yeah and, and talk about a prophetic word i've probably been sitting on prophetic words myself for the last couple of years where i've had numerous prophecies about writing a book and i was like i'm so busy whenever i did i personally didn't even do what i wrote my book about <laughs> it's called stewarding yeah it's called stewarding prophecy in other words once you get a word now what so i wrote it out of a personal burden i wrote it out of a burden that i see everywhere i go 
I said, I got a, I got this great prophetic word, but how's it going to come to pass? What is the process? It's all about the process that God takes us through once a prophetic word is delivered to us. So the premise of the book is basically First uh, Timothy 1, 18 and 19, right? Kind of exegete that out. And it's just basically where Paul was admonishing Timothy, you know, you're going to have to wage warfare with this prophecy. It just doesn't automatically happen. A lot of people think, well, I got this prophecy. It's like, God, just give me a text when it's fulfilled. You know, wake me up when it's over. There's a there's an engagement, and it's around warfare. That's why the subtitle is, you know, Waging Warfare with God's Words, because uh, Jesus taught in the parable of the sower, which I bring out, one major concept that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, then comes the wicked, or doesn't understand it, then comes the wicked one to snatch away that which is sown in its heart. So there's an automatic warfare that comes with prophecy. And that's why a lot of people flake out and give up and get discouraged because the, the enemy just does not want that to come to pass. Right. So the premise of the book is just basically how to steward a word based on Revelation 1, blessed are the one that hear and read and keep the words of the prophecy of this book. How do you keep a word? And that whole process, it's, a, it's an active engagement with God. It's not, a, it's not something we just sit back and wait for God to do it all. We, we become actively involved in the process. So yeah. one of my premises is like, if you don't engage in the process, you'll never arrive at the destination. And then I go into, at the end, the five battlefields of the prophetic. Okay. There's five kind of major battlefields, doubt, delay, misunderstanding, um, and, and, then, and then also no recognition. And then finally, the battlefield of the prophetic crisis. Because God will always bring you to a point of crisis where it's a crisis of your faith. Did I really? Did God really say it? And where God then forges faith in you from that experience, just like both of you were sharing testimonies. Yeah. And I'm, I can just tell you that built your faith. When you look yeah. back in time and go, wow, look what God did, gives you a boost of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, and also it's something that it's like a, like a mile marker. To be able to look back and go, man, that that's where God spoke to me. And I've just 20 years or five years or however long, God just fulfilled that in a way that I knew it was going to happen, but didn't realize, you know, that it would take that long. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's years. Right. You know, and uh, so it's good to write it down. Yeah. The, Absolutely. The, yeah. The, the one of the things that um, at the church uh, that we were at in England, the secretary would write everything down for everyone you know type it out because it also took the personality out of it you know right you know and and like clam or dave you know but down the road you could read it like you read your the bible and and god speaks in a, a different way as well then you know so it's a, it's amazing uh clam you travel a lot uh but as you mentioned it, yeah and <laughs> but as you mentioned uh with covid that's changed a lot but you do um, when you can get on a plane, you are flying a lot. Uh, yeah. Tell us a bit about some of your, I know this year has been crazy where you haven't been able to do as much, although you just mentioned you've been able to get out and about. Tell us a bit about that, uh, how it's changed, but also um, some of the fun places. I know you, really, I think you should have a home in England because you're over there so much uh, and yeah. Wales and all that area, but Tell us a bit about that, and Chuck, this this may be a, an interesting question. Do you see a hunger for what you do differently in different countries? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, Andy, that's a big question. Let me see if I can tackle it a little <laughs> bit. Uh, 
Yes, I do. And I, it, it, things have shifted. And I think, I you know, for the good, we're all having to use all those buzzwords now. We're pivoting, we're adjusting, whatever. Um, and yeah, prior to COVID, um, the last several years, I can do this 20 years full time, but when we first moved here, we still had four kids at home. So I had to ease my way into a heavy travel schedule. Um, and yet that's the way I earn my living. So I had to kind of balance home life and yeah. road life. And, and I still wanted to function in local church as I could. I'm, a, I'm just for the record, I'm a, I'm a totally sold out local church fan. I still serve as an elder in our church because I just feel it's, it's, a, it's such an important um, platform for any gift to sit on. It has to sit on, you know, the foundation of the local church. So having said that, um, and I have a great church. I love being able to go in and out of my church because it's my apostolic base. I just feel so pastored when I get home and I feel sent when I go out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, but now we're empty nesters. So the last several years, I've really ramped it up and with my wife's blessing. Um, and so I was probably the last several years traveling about 250 days a year. That, wow. that's, that's a lot of time out. But it's been good because long-term relationships, but also pioneering the prophetic in new areas where there is, Andy, a real hunger. And uh, I've seen different pockets of different hunger. Um, I, I love going into the new places, the church plants, like I said. Um, I'm working with some of these guys that have planted out of England in other nations. And one that particularly comes to me is Cambodia, um, where some dear friends of mine went. Uh, they planted. And uh, it's just exploded over there. And I just love the hunger. Now, think just Cambodia, for instance, is a very young country because of the Khmer Rouge. Uh, my generation was kind of wiped out there in the Vietnam War, and the Khmer Rouge, and you got all these young people. The average age is 27 in Cambodia. Wow. And so you've got all these young people hungry for yeah. God. What they're really hungry for is relationship. They're yeah. hungry for a, a father and a mother. And so they're just, and boy, do they love a prophetic word. And they don't just love it like, okay, I feel better now. It's not an emotional lift. It is something they take so seriously. And, uh, I'm, you know, and again, the beauty of going back and making return visits, I get the joy of watching God change lives. I get to hear the, the, the Andy King testimonies and I get to hear those over and over of how God just so built. So there is a real hunger in different pockets of the world. Um, one of my favorite things to do in a meeting, Andy, is when they, you know, say, just you know, see who the Lord leads you to. And sometimes I'll just say, who's here tonight? You've never received a prophetic word ever in your whole life. That's you. Raise your hand. If you're bold enough, and I love going after that because there's a lot of people who had lots of prophetic words and they just, well, they haven't read my book. I'm kidding. No, they haven't. They haven't stewarded. They're, right. they're just waiting for the next prophetic word. They yeah. think it's like yeah. I'm just going to stack them up <laughs> for yeah. all of eternity. So my heart goes out to those that have never heard God speak to them that way. God speaks to you know, in many ways, but yeah. in that particular word uh, format, I I really have a heart for that. I'll tell you the other thing that I saw modeled. Um, for me through particularly Keith Hazel, who was from England and ended up having a network in Canada. He was another prophetic father to me. I would do a lot of meetings with Keith. And when uh, Keith was in his latter years, like me in his sixties, Keith would so often call young people out in a meeting and he'd almost insist there'd be young people in the meeting, make sure the young people get here tonight. And Keith would go after them and prophesy over them. And in part of you go, Keith, I was like, why? Let's go after the leaders of the church. We got to really build the leaders of this. And now I understand. Yeah. I see the destiny in these, and they need to be unlocked. And, and the younger generation, they so need to hear a clear word from God. There is so much media going in their eyes and in their ears. Mm. Their life is so cluttered with input 
they need a clear word from God. So my heart goes that way now yeah. more than ever. I I like to sniff out young people in a meeting and see if there's destiny and then do what I did to Andy low these many years ago. Oh, and, man. you know, you're a great testimony, Andy, of what God has done. Yeah, it, but I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that, Chuck. Yeah. I mean, I was nervous when I went up front. I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, are they gonna, <laughs> are they gonna uh, bring you? Were all the nervous. Yeah. I was still a young, yeah. I was a young apprentice. Oh, I, don't, I, uh, I was like, are they gonna bring all the sin out? <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you know I, I've amazing. seen. You know, I think that um, I just, you know, Revival Town podcast. I think we need to get back to that. We need a revival. Our young people need a revival. Our churches need a revival. We need to get back to the place where we're seeking God, where we're, you know, we're in His Word and we're ready to receive a fresh word from Him. Because those are the type of moments, just like with you, that yeah. help shape you, that help shape me. So, so appreciate your your ministry, Clem. A question that I have is, um, where do you where do you see the church going? I mean, obviously we've been in a pandemic and it's just been such a, just a weird, weird season. And we know that God uses everything, but um, do you have any insight of um, where you think God's taken the church? Well, I have my own puny little view. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm looking through the, you know, the little peephole in a hotel room. I feel like I'm, my eyes up, I'm trying to see what's on the other side. But um, my perspective, Chuck, uh, is that, um, it's, it, it's, I think our ear has to be, God, what do you require in this season? What is it you're requiring of us? Uh, I, 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 I don't feel helpless. I don't feel like we got to really figure this out and nobody knows what's going on. I think God has a clear way for us, but I think it's him drawing us to him in an even deeper relationship to say, I'm changing things up and you didn't see this coming. Uh, I talked to a lot of prophetic people over the last six months and really, to be really honest, nobody saw this in fullness. Right. Right. It hit the world. So, um, I think part of it is God is forcing, the term I use is a spiritual migration. He's forcing us to go somewhere we didn't want to go. Mm. Uh, when, when seasons change, uh, it forces the birds to migrate. Because number one, they need a new food source, otherwise they'll die. Secondly, it's always for nesting so they can increase the family and, and reproduce. So I take that concept and say God is forcing migration on the church so that we can uh, eat from the new food sources that he wants to give us, not the junk food, because even if you stay in an old message too long, you know, you could dry up and die. Yeah. And then also to reproduce. Uh, there, I think there's regions that we need to go and nest in and, and build nests, a, a.k.a. church plant. And now we're seeing the capacity to church plant on, with, with a computer. Right. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, we're That's planting good. micro churches and things are springing up. Like I'll reference Cambodia again. What they did is they took their, their single cell church in the city and they busted it up and they have like four or five different, I think they have 10 micro churches in the same city now because of COVID. Well, that's to me, that's multiplication. That's the heart yeah. of God. Yeah. So I think we're seeing that. And um, I just think, I think we have to really be open-minded. I think God's going to use the mega church. They're a great resource church. You need a, an, an Ephesus church, a Jerusalem church to resource, but then you're going to have the most common sized church is, you know, the single cell church. 90% of churches are 90 people or less. Uh, that's just that's sociologically how humans relate. That's why we we don't. A lot of people don't want to go to a big church because they lose that sense of family and we know everybody. And then the micro church is just exploding now. We've taken all those restraints off, all the excuses. You got a computer? Yeah, you can plan a church. Yeah, you can zoom. You can meet. You can meet together on a screen. So we're just seeing astounding things happen. Um, we we have a saying in our network that we're no. We're no longer uh, an, uh, an, 
an in-present church with an online presence. We are actually an online church, but we have an in-person presence. Yeah. Mm, um, wow. And I think we have to have that mentality wow. shift. And it takes all the parameters off of we can go anywhere with the gospel. We can go anywhere. And somebody's got an iPhone, they can tune in. It's not the best, of course. Well, you'll never never replace personal relationship, but that's going to come out of building community where you're at. Right. But I just think as far as reaching and as far as distribution of the gospel, hey, God's changed the frequency of our proclamation. We've gone viral. Yeah. <laughs> We've gone global, yeah. right? We've had to. Just to, to me, it's to keep up with God. He's out there. He's got a plan. He's taking us to the finish, but he's saying, guys, I'm going to, 2020, the year you thought was like this year of clear vision, 2020 vision. He said, the year you thought it was, it's not. It's my speed up acceleration that is going to hit the planet. And you have no idea my delivery system. It's going to come in the form of a pandemic and chaos, political upheaval. And that's almost like, well, here we are. Welcome to Rome. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. You think like, listen, our brothers and sisters in history didn't have it easy. We've actually we still got it easy. Um, they had it hard. They had pandemics. They had, they had a crushing, oppressive dictatorship called the Roman Empire. And yet God said, that's a perfect time to send my son and birth the church. Wow, so yeah. yeah, we got our problems, but you know what? It's the same God. Yeah. yeah amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. Fired up. Well, let's ready uh, to launch an, run. I'm ready to launch a new online campus. Let's come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Chuck, why don't, uh, why don't you, why don't you talk to Clem about prayer and, and ending, uh, the, the show and just yeah. some of the things that you've been thinking sure. about with the, sure. I think Clem there's, um, Obviously, Clem, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening today, and maybe they've even struggled with prophetic ministry before today, and you've shed some great light on how God is still using it and desires to. And would you be willing to, to close us out in prayer and um, perhaps pray and speak to those who are, are listening that are struggling, those who desperately need a word from God and they need hope? Um, there are a number of people that um, are afraid. And obviously yeah. you hit on the head, God's in control. God saw this coming. This, yeah. you know, this is not, not surprising him. He, and, um, and obviously we really do have it easy compared to the early church. So would you take a moment and, and close us out and pray, yeah. pray for our listeners? I, yeah, I'd love to do that. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'll just preface it with the, the one overall simplistic idea of why prophetic ministry, why, 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 why prophecy? I just said there's one thing that drives the heart of God to talk to us, and that's to make us more like Jesus Christ. Mm. The purpose of prophecy is to make us Christ-like. That's it. All the other stuff is the vehicle, yeah. the, the changes, the challenges, the warfare. But in, in the end, God's looking for one thing, that Christ be formed in us. So Amen. I'll, I'll pray that, and I'll just pray that people can really seek him you know, uh, in that journey. So, guys, thank you. Yeah, Let's thank pray you. together. Okay. Father, we come to you in delight not in dread. We come to you in what I would say a holy fear of the Lord, not scared of you, not scared of the times, but a fear of not doing life without you. That was just like, I would be afraid to try to do life without my God, without Jesus. So Father, we find great comfort in the fact that you knew this was coming. You are sovereign. You set up the times and the seasons. You set up even rulers and kings. And God, the times are in your hands. We safely rest in that. And so if we truly walk in the fear of the Lord, then your word says that we will have wisdom because the beginning or the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God, we need wisdom to navigate these waters and these, these uncertain times. The Father also loves Psalm, 1, Psalm 31, verse 19. It says, 
Oh, how abundant is your goodness that you've stored up for those who fear you and take refuge in you. So, Father, my prayer is that we would continue to keep our eyes on Jesus, that we know that you have abundant goodness stored up for those who fear you, that we would walk in a healthy fear of the Lord and receive your wisdom and take refuge in you and know that you have a plan for the ages, not just a plan for 2020. You have an ultimate plan for the ages. And Lord, we look with greater anticipation in the days ahead. Help us to be people that reach. Help us to be people that that look outside of our own borders, over our walls, and realize there is a lost and dying world. And our call is to reach them. All for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Clem. We appreciate you being with us. But... Yes. We always end the interview with three random questions, <laughs> and uh, okay. Chuck has got some amazing questions for you. So, <laughs> well, so uh, here we this, go. If this goes south, then it's yeah. Chuck's I don't know if they're fault. amazing, but yeah, uh, just just three random questions, nothing to do with 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 ministry or just just in general. All right, first question is: What kind of driver are you, Clem? Passive aggressive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. That's good. Uh, all right. Uh, I try to be obedient. I'll, I'm going to confess. I'm a I'm a five miles over. Uh, I give myself that leeway. I give my own grace to myself. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> yes. So, but uh, I, I rarely. And then I'm I am I'm the older I'm getting. I'm a little more cautious. All right. Okay. But I, the, the guy that you know I need to pass. I need to pass. <laughs> yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're my people. All right. Uh, second right. question is this. If, if you could make a documentary about anything, what would it be? Wow. <laughs> Tune in next week when Clem gets back with this answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. A documentary about anything. Oh, um, wow. I know it's, that one's a little bit heavier than what kind of driver are you? I get that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I, I, I would probably enjoy making a documentary on the travel industry because my mm. background is in, in hotel yeah. administration, running hotels. Now I travel for a living. Um, I probably would have fun doing that because it's an easy fit for me. And I just would like to explore how other people experience it. So that would be fun to do. Cool. All right. Excellent. Last question. Hot sauce. Yes or no? Yes. All right. Uh, no, I no, knew Frank, you were my people. Uh. Frank's hot sauce. <laughs> Here's a, uh, I'll add this little thing, Andy. Um, my, uh, you remember the guys down at Gilead, down in uh, in Devon, down in yes, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm still a trustee with them, believe it or not, after 25 years. But my oldest son went down and served there for six months. Oh wow! And uh, you know what he took with him in his suitcase? The largest bottle of Frank's hot sauce he could find and brought it over to the UK. Yeah, because you're not going to find it in England. Like, no I, have, I am not a I, anything like that. I, I have not been able to get into over here. I'm, so, I'm sorry. My English stomach does not take it. Well, I, I, I was at a staff lunch recently and we went to this Vietnamese noodle house called Pho Noodle House. And I, I tried something called Fire Pho and it was a bowl like soup, but it had. Um, braised beef in it, and um, but it was hot, and I, I was I was coughing and slamming like two diet Pepsi's down, and I have sucking on it was burning my lips, and uh, our children's yeah. pastor who was with us, she went and bought me a, a smoothie, and I was everybody wanted to make sure I was okay, oh, so um, yeah, it was fire in a bowl, 
you know, fire oh, phone. It was, it was, but it was, I still enjoyed it. it yeah, was, yeah. I had to, you know, throw down some tums later, but it was <laughs> anyway. So um, we want to remind everybody once again to get Clem's book, Stewarding Prophecy, Waging Warfare with God's Words. And man, what, what fun this has been, Clem. Thank you. Yeah, Clem, how can people connect with you as well? What's what's the best way? There may be a church uh, leader listening uh, that may be going through some of this stuff or thinking about the prophetic uh, or maybe sure. someone who's just, just got questions. What's the best way that they could get in touch with you? Well, the easiest, you can just Google my name, Clem Ferris, and I have my website's just that, clemferris.com, C-L-E-M-F-E-R-R-I-S.com. And so if you're there, you can make connection with me by email or other ways. And uh, yeah, happy to connect. And if you get my book, all my social media stuff's in there. I am on social media. Connect with me on social media. I do Facebook, Instagram, and all that stuff. And I do have a few YouTube videos out. Might help you explore the prophetic. Yeah, they're very good. 10-minute teaching yeah. on the prophetic, which might help you. Uh, I call it Prophecy 101. We're getting ready to start filming next week, by the way, some more stuff. So that's been one of my other stretches during this lockdown. I wrote a book. I'm putting stuff on content and must be something God had in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clem, we are glad that you joined us on the podcast uh, uh, today. And uh, thank you for the blessing you've been in my life over the years. Chuck, uh, all I'm saying is we need to get Clem to the Rock Church. Hey, yeah. Don't uh, about when when Clem's in, it, in the area, you would you would love Chuck's church for sure. And uh, again, Great. thank you, Clem, for being with us. And uh, Thanks, we will talk soon. All right, Chuck, good to meet you, hey, and great let's do it again. Yeah, thank Sounds you. Right, thank you. Thanks, thanks. Andy, what a great interview. Oh, I told you, you were yeah. going to like Clem. You were right. I really, really enjoyed um, meeting him and talking with him, listen, listening to him. He had some really good insight about a somewhat controversial um, subject in 2020, yeah. right? And um, what I loved is... He is secure in his walk. He is secure in his relationship. He knows what he believes. He knows the word. And there wasn't an ounce of fear about the pandemic or where the church is heading. No. I mean, he hit it on the head. We don't. We haven't. We have it easy. We still have it easy compared to what other third world countries have experienced, and what even what the disciples encountered yeah. when they were literally risking their lives to turn the world upside down with the gospel. So um, I guess one thing that stands out to me uh, that I love, I just want to reiterate that he said is, um, why prophetic ministry? And his answer was to make us Christ-like. Oh, so good. Yeah, get it yes. back to Jesus. Yeah, so good. And when he, like, like you mentioned, when he was looking back and saying, hey, it, it could be worse. We could have been living in Rome, in Roman times. Yes. With an empire and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, Wow. Yes. And yeah. The, and God saw this coming. He, you know, he, he said, nobody saw this coming, but God did. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. God did in the church. I mean, get a computer. You can launch a church. That's another thing he said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. So good. So good. And obviously Clem does a lot in England. So you know what's next. Oh, it's time for Tate and his mate. There we go. Come on. Okay. So <laughs> if you're listening for the first time, this is the part of the show where I throw an English slang word, English type of phrase to uh, Mr. Tate for Tate and his mate. So here we go. Are you ready? Man, I'm always ready. Okay. I'm going to put it into context. So I'm, I am 0 for 2, though. I have to Correct. say that. So this is, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to get one this time. Okay. Chuck, 
What does bees knees mean? Bees knees. Bees knees. Would you like me to put it into context? Yes. Chuck Tate is the bees knees. Oh man, Chuck Tate is um, I'm is the bees knees. He is. Uh, I'm gonna say just uh, how about cool cat? Mm, it's it's close. <laughs> okay. It's, right. it's actually, uh, I, I could actually, uh, 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 well, I'll give it to you. Yeah. I'll give it to you. <laughs> you know what it is? I don't know what it is. I, I, it means you are the bee's knees. You're awesome. You're amazing. Okay. All right. So all right. I, I, I'll all give right. you that, okay. the bee's knees. So right. like we tell everyone every week, try and use that this week. Okay, in yeah, a conversation be, bees knees all right yeah, yeah could so you put that into I, into words you, you know you know i'm gonna say you know what um you're the bees knees man oh come on yeah, no yeah. you're the bees knees no, yeah hey hey you, you took me to switch foot about a year ago you're the bees <laughs> oh. knees. they're the bees knees oh they're the bees and the crazy thing about that concert was we oh. never knew what was going to happen but john foreman the lead singer of Switchfoot, came into the audience and we're standing on our chairs and we had to hold him up. We, you know, yeah. And the funniest thing was, was seeing Chuck <laughs> trying to take a selfie while we're trying to make sure this man doesn't fall off the chairs. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. But you were the bee's knees last Well, last you know what? I did have some people reach out to me and say, hey, how come, why was John Foreman sitting on your lap? Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, it wasn't the bee's knees to him? I think he. Oh no! It, it was. Uh, it was definitely. Uh, he was like, "What is going on?" But you know, it's. It's okay. He right. survived the concert. Okay. We survived the concert. We, yeah. So. And he was the bee's knees that night. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for giving it to me. I don't. I don't think I, I didn't really get it completely. But you know what? That was nice of you to <laughs> throw it over to me. <laughs> so again, this week. Try and use the word bee's knees. If you see someone that's your friend, hey, you're the bee's knees. That's that's how you put it in. And then you can say, hey, I learned that on Tate and his mate during the Revival Town podcast. Come on. Man. Subscribe. Boom. Boom. That's all you got to do. Thanks again for listening. You do not want to miss next week's episode. We have got an incredible interview. So please come on back next week for Revival Town podcast. listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Revival